The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. You have always been a voice of reason through all of this. Appreciate your time, what you're doing for America. I give you advice. And doesn't work at all. You are definitely not inept by any means. I like to hear women say that about me. Whatever advice you're going to send my way, I am 100% taking it. I can't tell you what to do. I will not tell you what to do. Okay. Well, thanks. That wasn't the answer I wanted. Are you kidding me? Great stuff, Dr. Ray. Glad I called. I've scheduled my day around listening to your radio show. <laughs> don't have to laugh so hard. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. This is not the person Monday as it usually is. The risk of putting a ding in my humility. This is me person Monday. Every so often, periodically, occasionally, once in a while come live to you here on ePerson Monday so you can call in. This is the standard call-in format. So, as expected, the number, if you would wish to talk about something on your mind, on your heart, on your roof, 877-573-7825. Not an easy number to remember. This is much easier to remember. 877-57-EQUAL. Now that L drops off, I think. But nevertheless, that's what you have to do to get on the phone to get here. You ever notice you don't say get on the phone anymore? When, When landlines are fading away, not too many people still have landlines. I don't know the percentage, 10, 15% maybe, all among us older folks. But you don't say on the phone. Don't say, slam down the phone. I hung up the phone. Put my mouth over the receiver on the phone. This cord doesn't go long enough. All the neat stuff from when we were kids, you can't even do anymore. If I want to slam down the phone, I'd have to pay 900 bucks to get another one. 877-57-EQUAL is the number to get on if you'd like to ask a question about something in your life. Something in somebody else's life. Something that you would like to simply bounce off of me and we can put our heads together. Because I have to ask you a bunch of stuff and I I take your direction some of the time. Or if you want to help somebody else out. So 877-57-EQUAL. I got to thank St. Martha's in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. What a really nice place right there next to the Atlantic Ocean. Point Pleasant. Father Dave. Quite the priest. He looks most like Jesus of any priest I have ever met. So all the folks at Point Pleasant, thank you so very much. Um, Okay, what else has gone on? I just got the word on the audience for Living Right with Dr. Ray in the St. Gabriel Columbus area radio turf. The Dominican University, they're, they're saying they're putting up 100 chairs per show, but I'm hoping we can get a lot more than that. If you go to St. Gabriel Radio, stgabrielradio.com, 
they have right there on their front page how you sign up if you'd like to be in the audience. Audience is fun. Makes a lot of fun for me. I, uh, I surge off your energy. And plus, we use you for various aspects of the show. So it's, it's wonderful to have the audience. I remember when I went to EWTN 13 years ago to propose this show, I said I'd like to do it before a live audience. No question. The audience adds so much. So there's uh, two shows each night. I think it's August 10th and 9th and 10th. That's uh, Wednesday and a Thursday. 5.15, 7.30, I think, are the times. You can come to one, two, three, four. If you do, bring the kids, feed them in between the shows so you get at least some something for your money. So go there and uh, hope to see you. Anything else? I think that's pretty much it. <clears throat> Got a chance to go up to Rhode Island after the talk at St. Martha's to see my son, Andrew, his wife, Melissa. They just had a little baby boy. They have uh, three children now, one of each. Little baby boy is Nicholas, Nicholas Gurendi. If my father were alive, he'd just be, well, to use the old cliche, button, busting his buttons. His name was Nick Gurendi. He'd be so excited that his grandson named his great-grandson Nicholas. Now they have Rose, and by the way, Rose is making a comeback for names. It really is. Rose was my grandmother's name. And little Rosie, is that's her name now. And they have a daughter, Caroline. Got to me to thinking, and I've mentioned this before on the program, it's kind of a Neil Diamond motif, isn't it? Um, crackling Rosie, sweet Caroline. So I suggested that if they had a boy, name him Brother Love. Or a girl, Holly. Never mind. Or Shiloh. Those are all Neil Diamond. Go with the Neil Diamond theme, but they didn't. Now, I'm hesitant to to draw a parallel to one of the children in my own sphere because what I have experienced about kids and families is over the years with many, 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 many. But sometimes certain things spur a manologue. And little Caroline, age two and a half, spurred this manologue. I said, uh, she said something, and I said, thanks, baby. She goes, I'm not a baby. Oh, okay. And I said, uh, thanks, care, care. She said, my name is Caroline. Okay. Now, I'm being corrected by a two and a half year old. You got this? Can't wait till Nikki gets to be two and a half. He didn't even, he probably won't even know he has a grandfather. Who are you? Now, there were a number of things that were said to Care Care. And she said, no, not in a mean way, not in a snotty way, just kind of, I know what I want. I don't want that. Now, I got to thinking. We talk about free will. Jeff, free will. And many of you who have raised your children and watched them go in directions you're very pleased about or not so pleased about, that component of free will is at play. But here's a little two-and-a-half-year-old already exerting free will. Now, 
one might say, well, free will, you mean like willfulness? No. No, that's not willfulness. That's two-year-old. I'm getting so sick and tired of kids being called strong-willed. Like they're supposed to be cooperative. They're kids. They want to do what they want to do. Some of them are more willful than others, but pretty much they're all willful. And I got to thinking, it shows itself so very, very early in life. Example, I remember when I was in grad school, they had something called soft determinism. This was the theoretician's nod toward we are all shaped by our environment and our genetics. However, there is sort of something within us that allows us to make decisions that seem to be unique to us. I mean, I I decide I want to do that. Is that 100% determined by my past history and by my genetics? And and if you knew exactly all of that, you could predict how I'm going to react? That's hard determinism. That's what that was called. And there were those psychologists who said that's the way it was. There's no such thing as free will. Then there were other psychologists who said, well, now, wait, wait a minute. There just seems to be something in the human condition that allows you to choose. And it's not necessarily automatically reflexively related to your history or your genetics. And as I saw little Caroline exerting her will, her free will, I'm thinking, she doesn't have a whole lot of history, you know. And genetically... Uh, her temperament is there, but at the same time, it was already showing itself. I want to do this. I don't want to do that. I choose this. I don't choose that. Something else showed up. I think this is part of the reason so many kids are called strong-willed. What an overused term. That's a horridly overused term. Strong-willed, iron-willed, oppositional, mind of her own, six gone on 16. Difficult child, that's redundant, difficult child's redundant. The attitude that a little kid can show, which I would summarize by saying, you're not the boss of me. It's a three-year-old who has that particular demeanor. You're not the boss of me. And that particular human characteristic continues throughout life. We don't like to be told. We don't like to be bossed around. We don't like to be ordered around. We don't like to have someone tell us we have to act a certain way to do a certain thing. You're not the boss of me. And that's what happens. I don't want to digress too far on this, but that is what happens with people who are 72.65% Catholic. They'll agree with what the church says up to a point till it gets inconvenient or it clashes with something they want to do in life or clashes with some person in their lives. I don't want to forgive my mother-in-law. I don't want to. And it's as though they looked at the Catholic church and said, you're not the boss of me. That three-year-old streak is still there. 
Well, Caroline's a sweet little thing, but you saw her free will showing its face all over the place, and you also saw the attitude that most of us humans fight throughout our lives in the face of legitimate authority. You're not the boss of me. Eight seven seven five seven three seventy eight twenty five eight seven seven fifty seven equal. Get to your calls. Remember, this is not E Person Monday. This is Me Person Monday or You Person Monday. You call in, and we can chat. Daily dose of encouragement, hosted by Patty Schneier, provides insightful and inspirational thoughts by bringing spiritual insights to everyday living. You can hear Daily Dose of Encouragement as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates across the nation, all in one place, all free at EWTN Podcast Central. Visit EWTNRadio.net slash podcasts today. As a Catholic dad, I know how frustrating parenting can be, but it doesn't have to be that way anymore. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak from More to Life, inviting you to become a premium member of Catholic Home. That's CatholicHOM.com. It's an online community dedicated to supporting faithful parents like you. At Catholic Home, you can chat with our team of family life coaches every day, get expert support with discipline issues, self-care, creating a stronger marriage, living your faith at home, or just coping with the stress of being a Catholic parent in today's world. In addition to the personalized expert support you'll get as a premium member of CatholicHOM.com, you'll get access to tons of creative resources, entertaining videos that teach your kids how to get along with each other and love the Lord, downloadable activities, monthly live parenting Q&As, a supportive community of faithful Catholic parents, and tons of other benefits, like my Beatitudes podcast. Go to CatholicHOM.com today and become a premium member of the Catholic Home Community. Again, that's CatholicHOM.com. I can't wait to see you there. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual fund. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Do some calculating. The bumper music, I think, Andrew, what is it, 20 seconds or 30 seconds? If you let it play the whole the whole thing, 30 seconds, something like that, or 20. I did some calculating. If I only talk when the music's done, let's say it's 30 seconds, and we have four breaks coming in, that's two minutes, uh, it would take 26 programs for me to get one free program. In other words, I wouldn't be working. I would just be quiet for those. But if I start talking around the five or six second mark in the bumper music, then I'll get a free program. All righty. Let's go to Annette from Louisiana. Hi, Annette. Hi. How are you? 
I'm fine. Are you talking about yourself or are you talking about something in general? No, I'm talking I'm talking about myself. You are? Yeah. Well, I'm 60 years old, Dr. Ray. Okay. And I now have started dyskinesia. I have um, a very whole lot of psychiatry psychotic uh, problems. And um, I've always been a kind of a sad person. Daddy abused me, um, although I was very loved. He loved me very much. He just didn't like me. <laughs> I had four sisters that were princesses. I was not. And um, I am... Um, I'm an animal lover, and I have a cat who is my therapy. And I'm ready to go back in the home because I was in one for 10 months because I was falling a lot. And now I'm ready to go back, even though it's a kind of a dumb decision. It's just that I'm so overwhelmed, and I'm so in despair, and I don't and know that, any other word for it, even though I know that's wrong. You know. Well, is this something you've fought all your life or is this something yeah. where you're saying I'm 60 years old and what do I got to show for it? Yes, but both. <laughs> I've always fought being being down um, and being depressed. I've always fought depression. Are you a um, religious person? I am. I'm a very religious person. Well, you I got, can't even you go got, to mass anymore. Well, sure you because, can. Yes, you can. Well, I have no transportation, and I have no family that will take me, and I don't have any friends. Um, you think? So now, I, hold on. I don't want to. I don't want to go off to the side here, but I want right. to say something that I think will help you. You call the priest at your closest parish, and you mm -hmm. tell him, "I want to come to mass very much. I have no way to get there. Can you get a parishioner?" that would be willing to come and get me. Well, now why I'm wouldn't you do that? Excuses, but I, well, I have tried that. I've tried that at both Catholic churches here in town, and they both say we don't have anyone that will do that. I, I'm, I work on it because I really do want to go to church. I really who, to do. who told they you they don't have anyone that wants to do that? The priest, the priest told me that, and I have a, a counselor that comes once a month or so, and she she checked, and they told her the same thing. We don't offer that service. They said, yeah, but don't you have a parishioner somewhere <laughs> that's going to church that wouldn't mind picking right. up an old lady? All right. I know your original question was, how do I how do I get through this constant blue demeanor that plagues me? Yeah. But it does yeah. seem, okay, there is public transportation that is free. There's dial-a-ride. There are those ways they'll just come and get you, and they'll take you, and they don't charge you. I'm okay. sure you are eligible for those. Okay. I, I want you to get I'll to Mass. If you want to go to Mass now, because that probably okay. would do a lot for your mood. Now, I'm, I'm going to give you something else that I think will do a lot for your mood. You said you were a religious person, right? Yes. Uh -huh. Do you realize what you have? Do you realize that you know something in your belief system? You believe in God. You believe in Christ was God. You have something that 
is not common anymore. And you have that. Do you realize what a gift that is? Actually, yes, I do. I'm not one to put stuff in it and be blind. I'm not. I know what I know what a great God that I have, and I know what a great way He touches me every day. That should help I your just, mood. That should help your mm, mood. You know, if you dwell on well, that instead of what you think you don't have in your life, uh huh. If you dwell on that. If you say to yourself, dear Lord, thank you for this. I can't believe this. I was born in a time and place. I didn't get to choose where I was born. I didn't get to choose the place. But somehow, some way, you touched me and I believe. What an infinite gift. And this, this 60 years that I've gone through here is a spit. A spit in time. Annette, you got to reorient your thinking on this. Uh-huh. All you've been doing is focusing on all the stuff that hasn't gone well in your life. Instead of saying, I'm getting more close to spending eternity. You haven't been thinking about that. You haven't. I know you haven't. You, you say you have. But I think right. if you truly dwelled on that, that would help a lot. So get the ride, okay. do some searching, get that ride, okay. and start dwelling on you understand that you're a minority here. Especially <laughs> especially in a world where many have never even heard of Christ. And in a culture right. in America where more and more are turning from any kind of faith. You have that. You have a gift that is absolutely beyond comprehension priceless. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yes, sir. All right. All right, sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the call. Thank I'll you, Dr. Ray. All okay. right, I'll talk to you. Uh, Linda, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Hi, Linda. Hi. How are you, Dr. Ray? All righty, my dear. This 24-year-old just decided I don't like the Catholic faith. Did she go to an independent congregation, or is she just becoming, I don't want any religion at all? Um, she, we were, she was raised in the Catholic faith as a family, not just the religion classes. We lived it, you know, every part of it, holy water, you know, blessings at the table, blessings before school, and now she's grown up, and she's a nurse in an ER, and she just has fallen away from it. And it just breaks my heart. And her and her fiancé now are looking at churches. He's Baptist, went to Catholic schools his, all his eighth grade, so he knows the faith and the prayers. But they are looking for a non denominational church where it's like a concert and she says she wants to feel it and catholic church is boring stand up sit down stand up sit down she she says she's never liked it so i i just i pray and i pray and i don't know how to help her see that the stand up sit down it's part of the tradition of years and years and years from Jesus. And I know she's an avid reader, 
So I know that she will not, obviously she's not, um, what's the word, in-depth about the Catholic Church. So I'm looking for a book that will help her understand or bring her back or I don't know, Dr. Ray, I, I just know you're wonderful and you have great ideas and there has to be other people out there that are falling, their kids are falling away because of these churches. Well, that's kind of the good news, Linda. An awful lot of kids are falling away into nothing. So at least your daughter is falling away into something that she feels is going to feed her faith. Don't go away. Stay right there. That's a hard break music. Stay right there, and I'll give you some books when we get back. This is Dr. Ray. Give me a call. This is not E-Person Monday. We're taking calls. 877-57-EQUAL is the number. Thanks for joining me. With Teresa Tomio. I encourage you to look at a report that came out several years ago by Americans United for Life. It's called Unsafe. And this idea, it's something else that has been pushed out there by the media and by Planned Parenthood and other pro-abortion organizations, that there are all these safety measures that were put into place when Roe versus Wade became legal. But as Father Frank Pavone and so many others say, abortion never, ever, ever changed, really. It went from the back alley to Main Street with little or no restrictions or protections. Many of the independent abortion facilities are less regulated than your local nail salon or hair salon. The fact that they have to quote unquote work on their messaging shows that we are making a difference. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Is there a universal call to prayer? The Catholic Catechism tells us man is in search of God. God, in the act of creation, called every being into existence from nothingness. Even after man sinned and lost his likeness to God, he remained an image of his Creator and never lost his desire for the one who called him into existence. All religions attest to man's essential search for God. The Catechism points out, however, that God calls us first to that mysterious encounter, prayer. God always initiates. Man's first step in the process is to respond. Prayer is a reciprocal call. Throughout the whole history of salvation, the covenant drama unfolds. The revelation of prayer in the Old Testament comes between the fall and the restoration of man. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Dr. Ray Grandy here. Thank you for joining me. I'm talking to Linda. Her 24-year-old daughter says Catholic Church is boring. It is nothing but aerobics, up, down, over, and out. And I never did like it, even as a kid. And I'm 24 years old now, and I've decided I'm heading to somewhere where I can feel Christ. 
Still there, Linda? Yes, I am. Well, <clears throat> I did that. I was in my 30s. I wasn't necessarily hostile to the Catholic Church. I just drifted into an evangelical world. And I got to admit, I was uh, a little captured by their enthusiasm. What appeared to be, to me, um, a more fervor for the faith. Uh, so I can, I can personally see how she would do that. If she's a reader and you want to give her some things regarding the faith, I have a book called What Catholics Really Believe. It's on my website, and it talks about why do we Catholics do what we do? What's this all about? Uh, and a lot of it is based upon my objections that I had heard when I was in the non-Catholic world. Go to my website, drray.com. It's there. Uh, there's another book I refer to a lot of people. It's called Handbook of Catholic Apologetics. It's written by two guys, Peter Kraft, my hero, and Ron Tuscelli, a priest. Uh, it is reason and logic and evidence as to why all this is true. Um, there are multiple, multiple books that address the whole idea of why the Catholic Church. You know, what's the what's the reason for the Catholic Church being the church that Christ established? So if they can make the case to your daughter that in fact, as boring as she thinks it is, because she hasn't really come to understand it, um, it's the truth then she will endure it and then perhaps come to love it. If you go to, uh, if you go to Catholic.com, which is the website for Catholic Answers, they just have a boatload of that stuff. Okay. Okay. Thank All you kinds so of much. Stuff. I have to tell you, you saying that at least she's not falling away from Jesus and that relationship really helps my heart. And that just means that there still is that open door to hear, you know, the truth and, you know, observe it from her brother and myself and my husband. So that just brought me so much comfort because my heart's just been aching to see it. Now, don't do that. Don't, there's no reason to ache here. Um, Thank you. This, this may be—I remember Patrick Madrid said something like this. He said— you know, it's kind of a blunt blessing that many people have to leave the Catholic Church for another denomination, most often evangelical, independent, to reawaken their faith. That happened to me. I got into that world, and my faith grew— until I started to realize some of the reasons why the Catholic Church is who she said she is. And I, that, that helped me to dig deeply into understanding the Church, understanding Church history, understanding logic. And perhaps your daughter will start that journey, especially if she's a reader. 
yes. That's so helpful and comforting. It is very good because I just ache about it. So Don't that nothing. Is cut it out. Wonderful. First of all, <laughs> cut it out. Your daughter... I don't know if you listened to the top of my program, but I talked about free will. I did. I and, did. And, and your daughter's going to do what she's going to do. And this is not a reflection of you falling short. This is not a reflection of you being deficient in your motherhood. This is the fact mm-hmm. that your daughter is a is a creature of our culture. And our culture says, entertain me. Make me feel yeah. really, really good. That's what our culture yeah. is. Okay, so she looking at something reverent and prayerful like the Mass, and it's like, ew, boring. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I guess all the stimulation in the world, they want it easy. Yeah. You know, entertaining. Well, you made me feel a lot better. I don't want to take your time because there's lots of us, but I have to say... The Holy Spirit definitely was part of this conversation because when I heard you top of the hour, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's what's on my heart in a different way, but the same way. And I was like, I've got to call in. So that was wonderful, that connection. I feel I feel the Holy Spirit in this conversation. Well, my dear, I appreciate that. Thank you very much for the call. You call back, okay? Yes, if anyone could pray for sometime today for my daughter Stephanie um, to come back and love the Catholic faith, I would appreciate it. All right. Be at peace. Thank you. Or I'll scream and yell at you and make you miserable. All right. (laughs) Thank you, Dr. Ray. You're welcome, Linda. Uh, Isaiah called, and he wanted to say that he will be praying for Annette. So, Annette, if you're still listening, do you hear that? Had a guy here that says, I'm going to pray for Annette. 60 years old, being sad, direction of her life, the past, the present, and what she's looking down the road. And I think for me, as I get older, I become more, and I, and I think this is because, I know I just broke off that sentence, which isn't very articulate. When you're younger, you you get caught very much up in the temporal, the now, what you want to do, what you look forward to doing. You you think you're pretty much always going to be 36 years old or 44 years old, and then when you find that, okay, you look back on your life and you realize most of it's gone. One of the blessings in all that is that you start to think about more what's on the other side. What really matters? And then when you think about what really matters, you become grateful because you know what really matters. And God gave you that revelation. In many respects, through no movement of your own, yeah, you had to move toward him, but you were born where you were born and you heard what you heard. In the time that you heard it, realize the odds against that? When much of the world is not even Christian? Most of it's not. All right, 877-573-7825. Give me a call. I would like to hear from you because I'm not doing e-persons today. I'm talking to you. 
The idea that the United States of America should now be a nation in high-handed rebellion against God makes me choke. I mean, there are some people who seem to think that the problem in America is simply between conservatives and liberals, between Democrats and Republicans. But these group distinctions are not the most important distinction. The real division is between those who are being drawn to Christ and those who are fleeing him. All humans are created in the image of God and we are made for loving relationship with our creator. Any human being will never find their full fulfillment apart from God. Uh, and those of us who are united to Christ by faith and baptism in his mission of redemption owe everyone we meet the love and consideration that helps draw them closer to their eternal lover. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Sixty on ten with Monsignor Charles Pope. The ninth commandment: You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. We already discussed in the sixth commandment the problems of sexual sins themselves, but what the Lord is teaching here is rooted in the word covet. To covet means to inordinately or inappropriately desire something or someone, and in this case, the Lord is saying to us that we are in no way to covet, to look with lust at another person, particularly our neighbor's wife, but others in general, and that therefore all pornography and things like that have to go, all entertaining of lustful thoughts has to go, and God can help us by his grace to do that. And therefore, in this commandment, he summons us to take authority over our thought life and our sexual passions. The ninth commandment, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. For more about the Ten Commandments, visit EWTNRC.com. Thank you for joining me. Once again, this is Naughty Person Monday. Chance to talk to you. So I will talk to Mary from New York. And something in Annette's call, Annette talking about sadness is her frequent companion. Mary says, I want to give Annette some comfort and encouragement. Mary. Yes. Do it. Do it for me. Hello, doctor. Thank you, dear. Go ahead. Help us out here, my dear. Well, Annette, you're a kin sister of mine. I was diagnosed with a mental illness over 50 years ago when I was 15. I am now 67. I experience a lot of the same stuff you do. I live alone. I'm lonely. I have no friends. <laughs> um, no transportation um, to get to places I want to go to. Um, thank the good Lord. I can still use my feet and walk. Um, to, you know, areas where I, within a couple of miles that I can get to. Um, as, as far as, uh, the church is concerned, meaning the Catholic, Catholic Church, um, I'm beginning to discover it and, and see the seriousness of it, thanks to my sister, who has been a, a Roman Catholic for a long time now. And she's helping me with that. Um, when I was, uh, a child, I, I've always been close to God. I felt I have. And when I was 15, I had a religious psychotic experience for which they uh, uh, put me in the hospital 
and for the rest of my life, I, I was labeled with a mental illness. Um, but when I first came down with this psychotic break as a child, it was very painful. I suffered. Um, Mary, let know, me interrupt and, you, and Mary. I, Mary. Mary, let me interrupt you. You said yeah. you you had a psychotic break as a child? Fifteen, yeah. Fifteen. That's that's typically pretty early. What was that like? It was quite religious. It was quite nice. It was not scary. I, I was communing with God, and everybody thought I was crazy. I was communing with the saints. Um, I didn't know. I wasn't raised Catholic, so I didn't know much about the saints. But in my heart, I I, I know I, I, I am affiliated with with the God Almighty. I'm gonna cut you in here dear how how would you help Annette when you say you can relate to her what do you have to tell her that would help her what I want to say well if after I was diagnosed as a teenager for at least two years I was because I was a so-called born-again Christian and I was all kind of mixed up with the evangelical stuff but nonetheless um, I, I said to my dad I said you know, why did you give me this? You know I love you. Why did you do this to me? And for a couple of years, I was very, very angry. And then I got the answer that there's somewhere in the New Testament where somebody asked Jesus about the healings and why people are made sick. And Jesus said somewhere that this person was made sick so that he can be healed and the glory of God can be shown. And I spent the rest of my life trying to come to God to let him heal me so that I can be a witness to the world. Okay, so Mary, 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 I know you got a lot to say here, my dear, but we're on the radio and we're, we're limited by time. So what you're saying is that all that you went through has made you more able to help others. I think so, yes, oh, more compassion. That's wonderful. You you took I, you I took just wonderful want benefits. To come to Jesus. Well, you know it's interesting here, Mary, because when you got hit with a psychotic break at age fifteen, somehow, some way, God pulled faith out of that. Had you this is this is a bizarre thing to say for me because I nobody wants to be psychotic at age 15 but because of that you are a believing person now who knows what direction your life would have taken had that not happened all right when you leave this earth your mind, your soul, your conscience, your being is going to be completely healthy. You will no longer struggle with a brain that doesn't work quite right. You will be perfectly whole. And that will be an absolutely wonderful gift in many ways. You'll probably appreciate it more than a lot of people do because all your life you've wrestled with a brain that doesn't work quite right and you've had to do everything you can to stay stable it's been an effort for you but when you get on the other side God takes you home because of your belief 
you have a perfectly clear mind. Mary, God bless you and thank you. This is Dr. Ray. EWTN Global Catholic Network is the largest religious media network in the world. 11 global TV channels, English and Spanish radio networks with over 500 AM and FM radio affiliates, one of the largest Catholic websites in the world, dozens of podcasts every week, social media, electronic and print news services, and EWTN publishing. EWTN is the global Catholic network. For more about EWTN, visit EWTN.com. Are mobile phones dangerous? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. Our phones have become an extension of our physical bodies, and they emit radiation. Where you routinely place, hold, or store your phone on your body is critical. Energy emitted from radio frequency exposure can be absorbed by the body and potentially harmful. Apple recommends customers using its latest iPhones try the hands-free options like built-in speaker phones and headphones to reduce exposure. Android-type phones top the list of phones giving off the most radiation. Keep all brands of phones away from your ear and head when possible. Men should store a phone in a pant pocket. Women should keep their phone in a purse, pant pocket, but not in their bra. I didn't know this was a thing. Practice social distancing from phones. Like fasting from food, maybe it's time for a digital detox. Check out the Journey Strong tab for more on this at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. Annette wants to thank the folks who are praying for her. She called and said, please thank them for me. So I'm thanking all of you for Annette. I used to do evaluations at the, they used to call it Maslin State Hospital. Had a population of about 4,000 residents. This was, this was back when the very beginning of psychotropic drugs were starting to work. You notice in Annette's call, she said she struggles with tardive dyskinesia. That is a long-term distressing side effect of certain psychotropic medications. The uh, earlier ones, Thorazine, uh, Haldol, tended to block certain neurochemical pathways. But in so doing that, they also block them in other chemical pathways that control motor movements. And typically what happened is that the people very commonly developed these motor movements, either with their mouth or their fingers, that they couldn't control. And they, of course, developed other drugs to counteract the motor movement. The later psychotropics don't quite have that tardive dyskinesia wrist 
risk. Tardive, meaning later, and dyskinesia, meaning abnormal movements. So later abnormal movements. And sometimes if you're on these drugs long enough, that those movements can become permanent. They don't reverse themselves. And it can be very distressing. And that's probably what Annette was alluding to when she immediately said in the call, I have tardive dyskinesia. And that that can be something that socially is embarrassing and you tend to avoid those situations. But I believe that if Annette can get herself back to mass, she wants to go. It will do much for her spirit. Very much for her spirit. So, Annette, if you're listening, you start exploring the rides that you can get. You, you can even you can even get a bus pass. You know, get some get someone to help you. You you said you had a counselor, so I'm going to assume that your counselor will help you do that. I do that for my clients. They'll say, you know, I I need some guidance on this. I'm not going to sit there always and explore their head. If I can do it, I'm going to help them, almost like a social worker, help them do things in their life that would give them a little more satisfaction, a little more happiness in their lives. So that said, I just wanted to talk about that. When I worked at Masson State Hospital, it's not called that anymore, there was a movement and the movement was especially, it was nationwide, but was, was very heavy in Ohio because the director of mental health was the governor's wife, and she was a lawyer. She was not a mental health person. She was a lawyer. And her view was, we are, by committing these people to inpatient resident long term, we are stomping on their civil rights. And because we have drugs that are reasonably effective in dampening what they called the positive psychotic symptoms, and we have group homes, we have caseworkers to follow up on these folks, we should be able to get them out of those institutions. So those institutions were heavily closed. And, and back then... During the John Kennedy administration, they talked about and they, they started a movement of mental health centers. So your local mental health center was probably something that has its roots way back in community mental health. In other words, we're going to get people to be able to live their lives as best they can and get therapeutic support, psychiatric support through a community mental health center, which is where I was for about 15 years early in my career. Now, people are not very good when making wide-reaching cultural decisions at anticipating the unintended effects. What happened was there was an explosion in the homeless population. Because, in fact, even though the drugs were effective somewhat, the problem was noncompliance. 
very heavy noncompliance, which is I don't want to take the drugs. I don't like the symptoms. I don't like the side effects. I'm not taking the drug. So what then tended to happen is that a lot of these folks who were released from the mental health centers or the, the institutions, the inpatient psychiatric centers, became homeless. And they somehow didn't cooperate with their placement in the group home. They were not thinking clearly because their psychosis was still affecting them. And the caseworkers couldn't force them into getting treatment. So there was an explosion in homeless population. The homeless population is, it's, it's certainly not all chronic mentally ill, but a, a good proportion of them are. This was not anticipated in the in the effort to say let's close these institutions these are these are not good for people and i remember when i was doing the evaluations one of the things that we were told is we got to do everything we can to set up outpatient services so in fact these folks can not stay here very long they would oftentimes be brought to the intake center where I worked at Masson State Hospital, which is what they called it then. And then uh, the parents were, oftentimes it was parents or relatives bringing someone in. I would do the evaluation. I would see if, in fact, they were actively psychotic. Were they a danger to themselves? Were they a danger to someone else? And I had to make that evaluation. But always lurking was keep their treatment here as short as possible. Get them connected with a caseworker who will follow them when they leave here, whether it's after three days, six days, 12 days. Sometimes we had people there for a lot longer because we couldn't get the psychotic symptoms under control. But once they went out, again, they had independent rights and there was no way you could force treatment upon them. So you're in a catch-22. You have someone who is not thinking clearly, and then you're saying, okay, cooperate in your treatment, which often didn't happen. So that's kind of a, a little history, kind of a... a a backdrop with probably what Annette went through because she was 60 years old and she had a psychotic break when she was 15, which is young, very young to have a psychotic break. So that was 45 years ago when inpatient settings were still very common. And I would imagine she spent some time there and then ultimately was moved into the community and she spent time in a group home. Okay, this is Dr. Ray. i got to run. show is over. Thank you for keeping me company. Thanks, Andrew Kruchek. Thanks, Eric Dumont. And I thank you. Good Lord permit, and I'll see you tomorrow. Walk with God. And be grateful. Grateful for that walk. You know him. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. 
The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. 